Well, we've been in a series uh, called Life of Abundance. We're going to continue on that. Um, at least for today. John 10.10. 10. John 10.10, 10, we're going to read. It says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So anything that's stealing, killing, or destroying you know that is the devil. That is Satan. He is the thief. Sickness is a thief. It steals your time. It steals your money. Gets you irritable. I mean, contribute to getting you irritable. It is a thief. Therefore, it is of Satan. It is not God. God is not the thief. God is good. Poverty. Destroys. Poverty is of the, the devil. That is not God. Poverty is not just lack of money. You can have po poverty as a mentality, poverty as a mindset. You can take certain individuals that have a poverty mentality and give them a whole bunch of money and they will run through it and be back in poverty. And it's proven over and over. People win the lottery, they don't know how to handle it, they go back to poverty. You can take everything away from a person that has uh, a, a, an abundance mindset, a winning mindset, a godly mindset, and you can take things away from them and put them back at the bottom and they'll go right back up. It is a mindset. God is a God of abundance. Satan is the one that destroys. Poverty cripples people, but they're already crippled on the inside. It's a mindset. They don't think right. They think in line. They're listening to the enemy's thoughts. And it's binds. Relationships, when you see strife in relationships, it is the devil that is interjecting that strife. We allow it by yielding to him, but all the thoughts and all the ideas that are in the world, they may be coming from what looks like human sources, but these things originate from the pit of hell. They're devilish. They destroy relationships. Ideas that you need somebody else to make you happy. Or that your spouse doesn't look good enough. Those things are not godly. They're there to steal, kill, destroy a relationship. And they are not God. But those are all things that the devil, Satan, is the author of. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's why Jesus came is so we can have an abundant life. In the New Living Translation, John 10.10 10 says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. Full life. John 10.10 10 in the God's Word Translation says, but I came so that my sheep will have life 
and so they will have everything they need. Everything they need. John 10.10 in the Amplified says, I came that they may have life, or have and enjoy life, and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I came that they may have and enjoy life, and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. A full, overflowing, abundant life is what Jesus came so that we could have. For us to just have life that's just bursting. You see the contrast. Satan wants to destroy, wants to cripple, wants to confine. Jesus came that we could have an abundant, expansive, wide open, full, overflowing life. Those are the contrasting thoughts between Satan's way and God's way. Today I want to I pick up where we left off last week. I'm going to read some of the scriptures that, that we touched on and then we're going to move further. If you can put up Mark 8.34... It says, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. In the New Living Translation, verse 34 says, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of the good news, you will save it. Now we talked about this last week, that our life, we give our life for others. We're going to go further, a little bit different vein on that this morning. But it says here, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. If we try to do things our way, then it won't work. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. Doesn't mean you're going to suffer in body, necessarily. You know, I'm saying not by sickness or anything like that. But there is a suffering that goes with being a follower of Christ. We're not redeemed from suffering completely. And here's how you can know if it's the right kind of suffering. Are people being blessed by it? Paul suffered. Paul gave, he put down his flesh, he put down his life. People have said so when they, you know, they, we're not going into all that this morning, but just a side thought when it's, because it's, it's, it's related here. When, you know, people have, have, have gotten the wrong idea about suffering for Jesus and think they're suffering for Jesus when they're dealing with sickness or something. Well, here's a, a litmus test. 
Who's being helped when you're suffering sickness? Zero. Nobody is being helped. You're not helping the gospel. You're not spreading the gospel. Nobody's getting helped. You're suffering something that Jesus bore, like we talked about in communion. That is already paid for. But there is a suffering that comes with following God and what it says here, take up your cross and follow me. Paul suffered putting his flesh down. And that's the primary thing you're going to suffer is you're going to crucify, have to crucify your flesh and not do it your way and do it God's way. And if anybody tells you that's not suffering, they don't, they've never done it. Because your flesh wants to do what you want to do. Can I get an amen? amen. Or oh me. It's true. Your flesh wants to eat what it wants to eat. Regardless if it helps you or not. Your flesh will say, I don't care, we'll deal with that later. Well, I want to eat so-and-so because I like so-and-so. I don't care if it's bad for me. That's what your flesh says. And I want to do such-and-such because such I like doing this. I don't care what anybody else is being helped or not. But if we're going to take up our cross and follow Him, then we're going to give up our way and we're going to do it his way. Well, what does that mean? We're laying down our lives for other people. And Jesus said here, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you try to do it your way, you're not actually going to get what you want. The Bible says in, a, in Proverbs, in a place, it says, he uh, that tries to hold on more than is right leads to poverty, but he who scatters and gives, it leads to abundance. It's counterintuitive. But when we do what God would have us to do and let go of what our way and go after God and do it His way, we actually gain our life. It's what people are looking for. When we try to hold on, we're no different than the world. The world's selfish. People that don't know Jesus, they're so, they want to do what they want to do. Forget you. I mean, there's some people that are nicer than others. But we're not talking about religion where you're trying to earn your way to God. Jesus, and we, we, we touched on that a couple uh, messages ago, that He gave His life for us so that we could be in an abundant life, so that we could have everything He gave us. Now, in turn, we're to live our lives, to lay our lives down for others. Ultimately, that's why we're still here. Now, He wants us to be blessed because, think about it, if it's always about the next guy, then what about the person that's already in the family? It's not just about getting everybody in the family. It's about people knowing who they are, growing up, knowing who God is, having a good relationship with Him, and sharing that with other people so that those people can come into the family, be uh, a, a child of God, and then they come in to know God, and then they share with other people, and it just keeps going until we're out of here. All the people that are going to know God have come to know Him before the time where we're out of here, and now it gets really dark on the earth. People will still be born again after that time. It's not a place you want to live. All the light has left, and people will come to the knowledge of the truth, but it's not going to be a fun place to be.
But right now we have a job to do. Real quick, we, we covered this. We'll put it on the screen. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God, that everybody come to repentance. God does not want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants all to come to the knowledge of Him. So when we talk about suffering, I'm just going to touch on that a little bit more, we're talking about what do we need to do to follow God that would maybe require us giving up what we would want to do. There is a suffering involved in that. Paul, he, he suffered things in the flesh. He was beaten up. He was persecuted. But he always popped up and kept going. I like what somebody said, if he was a tenth of as sick and uh, sickly and weak as some people say he was, I said, oh, you know, he had eye disease and he just could. How could somebody like that be beat to death and get up the next day and walk out of there? I believe he was probably dead. They left him there. Why would they leave him there? They thought he was dead and he probably rose from the dead. Well, that's not a cakewalk. That's not kicking your feet up and just everybody's coming to you doing whatever. He was doing what it took to get the gospel out. But he had to be robust. Good night. If you read the list of everything he went to, that's not a weak person. That's not somebody that's sickly all the time. That is a stalwart, robust individual. You can't, you can't stop him. So he's not sickly. We're not supposed to be like, oh, I'm just suffering this for Jesus. I just No, that's not Jesus. You may have to, look, I'm going to do this. God's called me to do this, and I'm going to do it. And shut up, flesh, we're doing it. And mine, you, you know, somebody's going to say something to you that you don't like. Well, none of us, all of us like to be liked. But you know what? They killed Jesus. He didn't do anything wrong. Paul, he said, everybody's forsaken me. And Paul wrote majority of the new the, the gospel, I mean the, the, the New Covenant, the New Testament, the letters that we have. He was used. You think he liked that? But he did what God called him to do. As we follow God, we are, if we're gonna do what we just read and take up our cross and follow him, there is going to be some suffering involved in that. You're laying your life down, not for you, but for somebody else. This life that we have, but this is what we're going to get to, this life of abundance involves what we just said. You can't live, the, the, in other words, the abundant life is not just you take care of all your needs and be happy with that and woohoo, we serve Jesus. Give me, give me, give me. That's not the life of abundance. That's not what we preach. And when, you know, when people, I'm not going to get into it, but people have a misunderstanding of this concept and think uh, it's all about the getting. It's not. That's part. You need to be blessed in order to be a full blessing to other people. If you're trying to get just your needs met, how are you going to help everybody else? You're going to be so concerned with yourself. But part of 
of this abundant life that we're talking about is going to involve doing work for the Savior. To reach the fullness of doing, of, of, of actually walking in the, the full life, it's going to involve kingdom business. For a Christian, it can't be without that. How could we just be living this life and say, oh, it's so great, and not be serving the one who made it possible for us to live without guilt and condemnation, for us to have the mindset that we could have all our needs met in abundance and give. Where are we going to give it? How, how could we live fully and be satisfied, but it just be us? That's not God's heart. His heart is for his children to have an abundance and for those that don't know him to hear the gospel so that they can come in and experience the same thing. As many as will uh, receive. And this is part, we touched on it last week and I want to go further, and this is part of what we are called to. We read this last week. We're going to read and go, go a little bit further. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Why don't you go ahead and turn there? Because we'll, we'll read some more in 2 Corinthians. But 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, when I'm looking on my sheet, I mean, that, and, and I ask you to turn somewhere, you can look at, in your Bible. I have all the scriptures here, so I'm looking at something. It, it helps us to look at it. Involving your other senses, looking at it, it, it can make a, a better impression. Sometimes we think we know what scriptures say, but when we see them in black and white, it has an impact on us more. 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. Well, if we're in him... All things have become new. We are a new creature. We are a new creation. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So he starts out saying, yes, everything is new. We're in Christ. All, now he says in verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Thank God he has reconciled us to himself. Through Jesus, but he doesn't stop there. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So through Christ... God was reconciling the whole world to himself, and then through us, he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. He's given us the ministry to bring people and let them know that they can come back to God, to share the gospel with them. Verse 20 says, And now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
So we can stop right here. It says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Well, if we're going, to, we read initially John 10, 10, I've come that my, my sheep may have an abundance, that they may have life to the full, that they would have it overflowing, that they would have everything they, they need. And, and he's saying here, uh, God through Christ has reconciled the whole world. Oh, and we are ambassadors for Christ. So if we have life to the full, and we are ambassadors, that's part of our job description. This is part of our life. So part of our life and living an abundant life must be to this ambassador part. It says we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, we have that on a, on a slide. Can you put up the definition of the word ambassador? It says an official... Envoy, especially a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or own government or sovereign appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. It's also an authorized representative or messenger. Do you realize you and I are authorized messengers, authorized representatives of the Almighty. And part of what we do on earth is this. Part of this life, if you and I are going to fully live, part of it is we're involved in this part of being in the family. You and I are ambassadors of the highest God, the Most High, the Almighty, the highest power in the universe. We are representatives of Him. In the New Living Translation, I'm going to read these same verses, 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the word, world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We are speaking for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life speaks for the Lord Jesus Christ. What we do, our actions Speak for Him. What does that mean? That means He is trusting us to, to deliver His message. It's as if He were here. What would He say if He were here? We are His mouthpiece. We are His hands and His feet. We are His messengers. We are His ambassadors. And if we would think we're going to live a full life and put this aside, it's not possible. And in fact, this isn't something, this is what I want to get over, 
today. This isn't something that's like on the side say, well, you know, I guess if I have to do that, it is actually part of what will make our life the most full because that is part of our role. Think if you have somebody that's a natural ambassador on the earth, they're an ambassador, but they don't do any messaging. They don't deliver anything. Well, what's the point? Well, I just, you know, I have a nice house and I have, you know, good food and I get to eat all the nice meals with all these people, but I don't actually, we don't, we don't really talk about anything representative. You know, we talk about sports or the weather. I don't actually tell them anything on behalf of the government. What are you doing? Well, you know, it's just cool being an ambassador. Well, so you're an ambassador to name only. Because an ambassador, the whole point is a representative. And if he's going to be a... So if somebody wear a full, well-known ambassador, what does that mean? They represented whoever, the, you know, the government or whatever, very well and actually did an excellent job of representing, giving messages, taking feedback, and negotiating whatever on behalf. That would be a full ambassador life. Would it? So we are ambassadors. This, that's part of what we do. And if we put this aside and say, well, you know, I'm cool, I'm good, but I'm just, you know, I don't actually do any of this other. It's not just like a thing that we're supposed to take on. It's like, oh, I have to do that. It's part of what we're created to do. Our gifts and talents and abilities, each one of us in this room have, you're made for a purpose, and it is to serve Him as an ambassador. Helping your fellow Christians that are already in the kingdom, and then helping to bring more into the kingdom so that His family can be built and be edified, built up. Either we're helping to, we're, we're, we're uh, being a messenger and we're helping his message then to get across to those that are in the family so that we can know him, so that we can grow in him, so that little kids can know who he is and don't have to renew their minds so much that they actually, from the get-go, know who God is and they, they just, they know God is good. They know God is the one that loves them. They know that Satan is bad and they don't have to go and reprogram that. That's not a new thought because they've heard it since they were a baby. That is a service to the Almighty. That is being His ambassador to the little ones. That's being... Yeah, they might be like one-fourth as tall as you, but you are represented the Almighty that's reaching down and pouring into someone that will one day lead a family or one day have multiple generations coming at, you know, from them and growing and infecting a whole area if Jesus doesn't come back. I believe we're getting close. But you know what? We have to live like He's not coming back. We ha I mean, we have to plan like He's not coming back and keep doing things. We live... Like he's coming back tomorrow, we have to do what we're supposed to do, but we don't stop and say, well, he's coming back, so I'm not going to do such and such. Because we don't know. We get a sense, if you're going by sight and going by whatever, it looks like, how long can this thing keep going like this? It's going to implode. But, you know, I mean, we don't know, so we have to walk according to what he's told us. And take steps. 1 Corinthians, or let's, um, 
We're, you're in 2 Corinthians, so let's go to 2 Corinthians 6, just a chapter further back. Second Corinthians 6, verse 1, says, Then we then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you. And in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In the New Living Translation it says, As God's partners... We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time I heard you, on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now, today is the day of salvation. He says, as we then, as, as workers together with him, as God's partners, he says in this translation, we beg you. Paul's saying, we're working together with him. We are working together with Him. We are tasked. This is part of our description that we are working with Him. It gives meaning to life. It gives meaning to something that looks natural. Ministry happens everywhere. In every place has the potential to. When we understand that it gives meaning to what looks like just a secular job. But when we live and we realize, wait a minute, I'm God's partner. I'm God's fellow worker. That brings new meaning when I go to work because I am his ambassador. I am here on this job because I am representing him. When I show up, it's as if he shows up. And in fact, He does show up. His Spirit lives on the inside of us. But when we step into that job and punch the clock, if you still do that in some places, maybe it's an electronic thing, maybe it's no, or maybe you don't, maybe you're salaried, whatever. We bring God on the scene and His representation there. There is no insignificant job when you are in the kingdom of God. There is no insignificant vocation when you are in the kingdom of God. Every part is important. If we're doing what He asked us to do, we are a messenger, we are an ambassador for Him. When we step on the job, people ought to see a little bit of Jesus. They may not look at anything on the, online, they may not have cracked their Bible, but they see you. And they see your eyes, and they see you how you act, and they are watching you more than you know. Now, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's so important. Now, this is not to put pressure on us. It's to realize how much impact we have and potentially can have as children of God and as ambassadors for Him. When we step onto the premises, we are official, representative of the highest power in the universe. 
And he gave you and I that role. You say, me? You? You know, you're me? Yes, you. As a Christian, we are his fellow worker. There is no higher title than to be working with the Almighty. He is working with you. He is on your side. He is helping you and giving you the grace. And our actions, how we behave, it gives them a glimpse into the love that God has for them when we interact with people. We are His fellow workers. We are His partners. I like the way it said that. We're His partners. We are God's partners. Every role that we could have, it doesn't become a means of just making money. It is a means of sharing God's love and His message with people. You don't have to get in their face and preach. You live before them and how you treat them. And you be honest, if it comes up in a conversation, you can be transparent about who you are and what you believe, but you don't have to try to sell them. You're selling them all the time on how you're behaving and how you're acting. That's the real deal. Everybody's like that. Everybody wants the real thing. They don't want a packaged, you know, package of goods and some marketing thing. They want to see the real deal, and they watch you. They watch how you behave. We are giving them a message. And we can be honest. We can be transparent. You know, I don't have to let them show them everything in your life, but you can be honest with how God uh, has impacted your life if it comes up. And it, you know, I mean, in natural conversation, you, it's part of your life. And so if you're talking with them and it comes up, don't shy away. You don't have to shove it down their throat. But if it's you, that's who you are. Anything else would actually be false. We don't have to hide. We're an ambassador. We're part of the representation team on the earth. The contingent that is here right now. Some have gone on to be with him. They don't get this role any longer. Right now, not on the earth. Those that are in heaven, they're done. But you and I are in the current forces, the current ambassador list. We have the opportunity to impact. And we are his fellow workers. And there is nothing else that will uh, fulfill us more than being involved in what he is doing. So it brings significance to any role. Well, I'm just raising children at home. We are impacting generations to come and impacting the character of those children so that they can impact the world. And a family unit is a witness to the world of what God is like. Interactions within the home that are godly is a witness that is not just raising children. It is giving a glimpse into God's ways on this earth. There is nothing more important than that, than developing and being God's vessel in developing the character of a child. If every, think of it this way. If everybody were doing that, Look at all the problems it would solve in 20 years. 
If everybody, we're setting a godly example at home and showing and pointing children and to, the, to God and giving them the right message, they would be growing up with this godly viewpoint and it would smash and, and just eradicate the devil's ideas. It would be suffocated because there would be so much godliness. Godly people would shut down the things that are of the devil. When we know that we are ambassadors, it brings meaning into every role, every interaction that we have. It's not just I'm going through the, the motions, doing such and such. It becomes, how am I serving Him? How can I, is there anything you need me to say here? Is there anything you need me to do? Is there anything I can do to help to show the love of God wherever I go? This life, every, every interaction, every part of the day, why would I eat certain foods on purpose? Because I'm taking care of my body. Why would I uh, you know, not put certain things before my eyes? Because I want to serve Him. I want to know Him. I don't want to let anything in me that's going to derail me from knowing Him. It brings meaning to everything we do. Not in a legalistic binding way. Because we know He has great things for us and that just going through and living with Him is the most exciting thing we can do. And we shun things because they're going to keep us from experiencing the best life we ever could. It doesn't become... See, when we don't have this viewpoint, life can become boring and mundane and we say, well, I'm just going to work and I'm just getting the paycheck. And it see, these other things become attractive as an escape. Well, just go do this and that because, you know, it's so boring. But when we tap into, wait a minute, my life is representing Him. Everything I'm doing here during this short time on the earth is to forward His kingdom. Everything becomes meaningful. Now, I don't want to do such and such because it's going to hinder me from getting the job done. You know, we, today's the Super Bowl Sunday. The, the things that those men go through and abstain from and put aside and discipline themselves toward is for a purpose. They may want to eat certain things, but they're like, you know, that's not going to help me with my purpose. They don't necessarily want to do the exercise and work out and, and get... Get, uh, get involved in certain uh, you know, patterns or whatever, regiments, thank you. But those regiments are going to help them achieve on the field when it matters. I don't want this. this is, if I do this, it's going to be a weight. It's actually going to slow me down. I don't need that. It's the same. Our life is being lived one way or another. And as we have the focus on Him, everything, if we realize, wait a minute, everything is geared. I have a role and I'm an ambassador. It doesn't become, oh, I just don't want to do that. Oh, I just want to do that so bad, but you know, you know, I'm just not supposed to. That's the worst reason to do it. That will help to a degree, but eventually that'll break down. Has anybody ever found that out? If you're just not doing something because it's the wrong thing to do, just purely, 
That's a motivation. There can be nobility in that. We don't want to just go, if God says something's wrong, then we want to stay away from it. Thank God. But that motivation is not as strong as I am going in a direction. I want to do such and such, and that will destroy me. That will take me away. It is not godly. I am going after him, and I am going to do what he wants me to do. And it focuses our attention and puts the other stuff to the side. That is a much stronger motivation. When we realize who we are, it becomes, that is beneath you. Not in a prideful way, but why would an ambassador deal with that junk? Why would an ambassador waste their time on that? You have much more important things to do. Much more important things to, to sow to, to put our, our time to. We are representatives for Him. Praise God. Partners. Partners. You go home today, let it ring in your head. You are a partner with Him. Partner. You are not nothing. Your life, well, I'm just going to this job. No, I'm going to this job because I'm a partner with God. And if you're at some place that you're thinking this isn't the best use as being a partner of God, then we seek Him to say, God, where, what would you like me to do next? Where is the best use? And then let Him guide you. But it is, if we're following Him, there is never just, oh, well, I'm just doing this biding time. Then we're not thinking really that we're a partner with Him. Because if we know we're a partner our whole outlook changes. Today, as we go through this day, as we go through this week, we see, wait, I'm a partner with the Almighty. Glory to God. Praise God. You can say, what, God, are we going to do today? What are we going to do tomorrow? What do you have for me to do? What is the plan? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much.